Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Witness Lee. Witness Lee was captured by the Lord Jesus as a young man of 19 in his native China. He consecrated his life to preach the gospel, and later labored side by side with Watchman Nee for parts of three decades, before eventually bringing this ministry to the West in 1962. He spent the next 35 years speaking to Christians in North America and all over the world before going to be with the Lord in 1997. The life study of the Bible is his most significant contribution to the heritage of biblical exposition, and we're delighted to be able to bring you short portions of his spoken ministry today. If you have questions or comments, or would like to find other Christians in your area enjoying this same ministry, just email us, radio at lsm.org. Again, that's radio at lsm.org. Here's today's program. God has a longing. This might sound quite strange to our ears, but nonetheless, it's the case. And His longing is to interact, even to fellowship with man. But how can man, saturated with sin, enter into a sweet fellowship with the righteous and holy God? For this, man needs a way, and man needs a place. The way and the place for man to contact God are the focus of today's life study of the Bible with Witness Lee. And joining us once again for our fellowship in the life study of Exodus is Ron Kangas. Ron, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you. It's good to fellowship this marvelous matter related to our direct and intimate contact with the Lord in a practical way day by day. Ron, in the center of the tabernacle, the Ark of the Testimony resided with the three very significant items inside that we've covered. These items are good material for Bible school and Sunday school lessons, and we've seen much rich detail related to these three items. But I have to testify personally that to see the cover, the propitiation cover, is so tremendous in terms of helping us enter into a deeper and more consistent regular experience of Christ. Ron, why is this cover such a meaningful item for us to focus on? This cover is so meaningful because here we have the most crucial matter for our personal fellowship and contact with God. And here we have something that makes it possible for God and redeemed sinners to meet together in a most intimate and personal way for fellowship. This is actually both the basis and the place for God to meet with us and for us to meet with God. We need to focus on this, not primarily for doctrinal understanding, but primarily to have the proper biblical basis for our daily personal contact with the Lord. If we don't see what's revealed in this portion of Exodus and have the proper understanding of it, we will in fact be defrauded of much experience of the Lord. Our sense of unworthiness combined with the enemy's accusations and our natural concepts all together will combine to rob us of much fellowship with the Lord. And also it deprives God 
of an enjoyable contact with us. Well, we've talked a little bit in our past programs and in our fellowship thus far about this matter of the propitiation cover being the place for man to meet with God. We're going to see in this first section that we not only need a place, we need a way. Let's join Witness Lee. Eternity, God made a purpose to create the universe and create man as a seed and create a theory for man as the receiving organ for man to receive God. God's intention is to dispense himself into man. So man needs such a spirit to take God in. Then, before God did this, God's enemy came in. Satan came. And this Satan entered into man is called by the Bible in the Romans. Sin. Sin entered into man. God's intention was to dispense himself into man as man's life. So there was the tree of life signifying this. But God knew that his enemy would come first to work himself into man. So there was another tree which was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then Satan came in. A man got poisoned and Satan became the very sinful nature of the fallen man. So what? So God closed the way to the children. At the end of Genesis chapter 3, the way to the tree of life was closed. At the end of the Bible, in Revelation, the Lord Jesus promised, he that overcomes, I will give him to eat the tree of life. You see the point? And there was a declaration, those who wash the roots have the right to come to the tree of life. All these conversions indicate the closed way should have been opened. This is clear. Who opened this way? How this way was opened? When was opened? A new way, a living way has been opened. By what? By the blood. You better read Hebrew 10, 19, and 20. The closed way has been now opened by the blood of Jesus. And this way now being opened has become a new and a living way for us to come to the Holy of Holies. But sorry to say, today's teaching. They have religion, they have ethics, they have morality, they have the Proverbs, and so forth, they don't have the self life. Because to them, with them, for them, concerning them, the tree of life has been moved away. But hallelujah, we have the tree of life. We have a new and a living way. Well, Ron, as we've seen in the past, the cover on the ark represents the very place where God can meet with man. Because this is the very place where the blood was sprinkled for man. But let's talk about the blood as being that which opens the way 
What is the way here, Ron, that's opened up for us by the blood? We know from Genesis 3 that due to the fall of humankind into sin, the way to the tree of life was closed. There was no access to God as the tree of life. And by extension, as we're considering the tabernacle and the ark, no way to God's presence in the Holy of Holies. But when the Lord Jesus died on the cross, as almost all of us realize, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. Hebrews explains to us that this veil typifies or signifies the Lord's flesh that was, we may say, rent on the cross. So the veil has been opened. That veil signifies the Lord's flesh. And according to the picture in the Old Testament, the blood of the sacrifice was sprinkled on the lid or the cover of the ark. This blood, or shall we say the reality of this blood, the blood of Jesus, satisfies fully and absolutely the requirements of God's righteousness, holiness, and glory. Therefore, God, shall we say it this way, is free to meet with us without governmentally violating his righteousness. And since God is free in his righteousness, holiness, and glory to meet with us, because God's requirements have been satisfied by the blood of Jesus, now we have a way through this same blood. Hebrews says, Brothers, having boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies through the blood of Jesus. So the blood shed for us on the cross has been applied in the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. And this blood, through our faith in this blood, is our way into God into the glory of God, into a life of personal, intimate, direct fellowship with God. As we touch these matters of the ark and how it's constructed and the elements related to it in the Holy of Holies, these three words that even came out of your answer, Ron, just now, glory, fellowship, and blood, are very significant to the whole picture in the Holy of Holies. We also are going to see in this coming section that these three words play a prominent, preeminent role in the New Testament, particularly in the ministry from the Apostle John. So we're going to look at a few of his writings in the New Testament to strengthen this point. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Whenever you meet God, He speaks to you. He speaks to you. This means you were not only infused there, but you were also enlightened. You were also instructed what to do, where to go. Then your action, your activity, your living will be absolutely according to God's revelation. In John, the Gospel, firstly it says what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was in God. And this word became flesh. And tabernacle among us. Full of what? Grace and the truth. And we all have seen his glory. Then in the same chapter, 
Behold the Lamb of God who shed the blood. Then to chapter 17, he prayed, Father, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. And then he said in the same prayer, the glory that you have given me, I have given them. Father, make them all one in us. That means in this story. This is the charity. Then in his epistle, the life which we have touched and we have seen, we pray to you that you may have fellowship, not only with us, but also with the Father and the Son. Then it says what? The blood of Jesus cleanses you. All this word, glory, fellowship, life, and the blood. And then in his last book, the Revelation, you read the tree of life is promised. And you can also see Christ with the charity. The entire book of Revelation, you could see the redeeming blood. The redeeming blood. In chapter 1, you see Christ with what? With the charity. The glory. He has the blood to purchase us. To redeem us. For us to overcome the enemy. And he has the glory. And she's not. You need time, much time, to put the Gospel of John, the first piece of John, and Revelation, these three books together. Pick up all this word. Glory, fellowship, blood. Ron, if the Lord in his mercy will open our eyes, we will see three items that have much preeminence in John's writings, glory, fellowship, and blood. These appear in his gospel, in his epistles, and again in the book of Revelation. What's the connection that we're seeing here regarding these items and the testimony of Christ that's represented by the ark? What is portrayed here in Exodus 25 with the ark and the cover and the details is revealed clearly and definitely in the writings of John. So in Exodus, we see the matter of glory. The cherubim and the Holy of Holies were the cherubim of glory, and the Holy of Holies itself was a realm where God's glory was manifested. We have seen that there can be fellowship here in this realm of glory. On the cover of the ark, we have fellowship with God. But the way in and the unique qualification is the blood of Jesus. So in the writings of John, and here we don't need to be that particular or detailed, but in the writings of John, in his gospel, in his first epistle, and in Revelation, we surely see the glory of God, John 17. And this glory in First John is the light of in which we walk. And in Revelation, it's the glory in the New Jerusalem. And in the writings of John, there surely is the matter of fellowship, the flowing in life between us and the triune God, the mutual enjoyment 
the joint participation in the divine life. And it's very clear in John's writings that the blood is the way into the glory and the basis for our fellowship. So in the Gospel of John, we're told in chapter 19, out of the Lord's pierced side came blood and, of course, water, the blood for redemption. 1 John 1, 7, we're told that the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from every sin. That's an astounding statement, and we should believe it. This is God's Word. Then in Revelation 1, 5, we're told that the blood of Jesus has loosed us, released us from our sins. And in chapter 5, we're told we have been purchased to God by the blood of the Lamb. And in Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him, the devil, the accuser of the brothers, by the blood of the Lamb. So to recapitulate, we have the picture in Exodus showing us the glory, the fellowship, and the blood. In the writings of John, we have the reality and the fulfillment of this for our experience. We have the testimony of a brother who knew the value of the precious blood of Jesus, the Son of God, the blood that cleanses us from every sin. This blood qualifies us to be in God's presence in glory, to enjoy intimate, personal fellowship with Him. This is not only our privilege, this is our right, according to the Word of God. Revelation 22:14 says, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life. So this is good news. It's the gospel for believers. It's a word of assurance to all seeking Christians. This is the gospel we need to hear every day as we come to the Lord, isn't it, Ron? We need a reminder constantly because we fall into condemnation and accusation and religious, devotional, pious, ethical activities which really are not Christ himself. So we need to see a vision of this, and we need the Spirit's constant reminding of this in our actual, practical, daily situations. Let's go back to Witness Lee. When we all get into the universe, what are there, dear saints? Number one, the man. The Lamb of God. God of the Lamb. There when sitting along the throne, flowing out of that throne is the river of the living water. And along the two banks of the river grows the tree of life. And the entire city is transparent, shining with God's glory. The entire devotion of New Jerusalem will be the consummate art. When you have seen the vision, you cannot exhaust it. The telling of it. The very Christ who lives in you is much more precious than ever before. The art with the gap. The art with the top part. My 
how many points all are implied here. Hallelujah. This is all included in this Christ who lives in us and whom we are enjoying all the day long. God's righteousness doesn't condemn us. God's glory justifies us. God is happy. God says, he's okay. Now what would you say? Wouldn't you say, Father, I'm more than okay. I'm happy. Then what is the issue out of this? That is intuition. Just such a contact makes you different from before. And you can never be the same as before. Then how about day after day? Time after time. Time after time. You enter into the Holy of Holies. And you got this kind of contact. And you got this infusion. How about it? How about transformation? Yeah, just transform. So it become transparent. And the ultimate coming out will be the new Jerusalem. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. This is the art of testimony. Ron, we just heard that the new Jerusalem that is coming will be the ultimate and consummate experience of Christ as the ark. What's the basis for describing the new Jerusalem in such a way? That's quite a marvelous question. And uh, let's put it this way. A reminder first concerning the nature of the book of Revelation, that it's a book of consummation. So it consummates the divine revelation and the line of God's economy and his full salvation that has been running throughout the scriptures. And we've also pointed out that the writings of John are writings that show us the reality and the fulfillment of the tabernacle and the offerings. So in the New Jerusalem, we have the ultimate and consummate revelation of Christ himself as the ark. The whole city is a city of glory. It's not a literal city, of course. It's God mingled with his redeemed people for his expression. And the Lamb is there at the very top because the Lamb is on the throne. And you have a river of living water flowing as an indicator of the fellowship of the Spirit. So in the New Jerusalem, we have the wonderful Christ, the embodiment of God, the testimony of God, the ark, the embodiment and expression of God. We will see in our life study of Exodus that God's goal in his economy is to have a corporate expression of such a Christ. According to the picture in the Old Testament, the ark, a type of Christ, is the ark of the testimony because it contains the law of God as the definition and testimony of God. The tabernacle, clearly the enlargement of the ark, is called the tabernacle of the testimony. The New Jerusalem significantly is called the tabernacle of God because for God it is the tabernacle. For the believers, the New Jerusalem is the temple. So here we have the ultimate and consummate fulfillment of the picture in Exodus of the ark of the testimony and the tabernacle of the testimony. The tabernacle of the testimony, especially 
signifies the church, the body of Christ, the corporate Christ. And the way we have that, or the way we become that, is to experience Christ himself as portrayed or signified by the ark. Now to conclude this fellowship concerning how the new Jerusalem can be regarded as the ultimate and consummate experience of Christ as the ark. First, Christ is here in splendor, in glory, as the ark of God, the embodiment of God. He's the lamb in whom the lamp God radiates. And the entire city as the tabernacle of God is the enlargement of Christ. But the question specifically focuses on the ultimate and consummate experience of Christ as the ark. This indicates that we become the new Jerusalem. And the new Jerusalem is fully consummated by our experience of Christ as the ark, especially our experience of the reality of the cover of the ark. So in the New Jerusalem, we see not only Christ as the ark, and not only the city itself as the ultimate consummate tabernacle, but we see in this revelation the experience of Christ, which issues in such a tabernacle as God's ultimate consummate eternal corporate expression of himself in, with, and through Christ, the firstborn Son of God, and the believers as the many sons of God. Thank you, Brother Ron. We'll return again tomorrow another life study from the book of Exodus, more fellowship on the tabernacle. Please join us then. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. We have these recorded studies on every book of the Bible, available to you online, free of charge. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. You can download the MP3 files, stream them live, or add them to your podcast subscriptions, all at no charge. Once more, the website, lsmradio.com. To contact us, send email to radio at lsm.org or call us at one triple eight life study that's 888-543-3788 thanks for listening today